your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday Lacrosse Talk PM. On the on the line with me, as he is most Fridays when we have a show, is UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. How's it going? Hey, Rick. Yeah, we didn't get bumped by the Milwaukee Brewers this week. Yeah, unfortunately, because A, it's kind of like a nice little vacay almost, and then B, (laughs) that just means the Bucks lost and they're not in the playoffs, which is sad to me. Yeah, I think this was a disappointing year, but they sure ran into a hot Boston team. I think I think Boston could go all the way. Yeah, they uh the Bucks didn't have their second best player, so I mean I just I just chalk it up to that and leave it at that because uh, yep. it's it when you're when your twenty five million dollar player isn't on the court then that's gonna be tough. <laughs> yeah, gonna gonna have a bit of an effect. Um I talked I had I had Ben Wickler, the lacrosse, not the lacrosse, the Wisconsin Democratic Party chair on with me yesterday to preview the uh, the Republican Party convention, uh, which I thought was ironic. That, but just to bring it up, the Republican Party did not respond to any requests to come on the show, so I sent that request out Monday. Um, I don't know. Did you get a chance to hear Wickler at all or not? Yeah, I, I did, and I think it's going to be an interesting weekend for the Wisconsin Republicans because they've got a bunch of proposals. I mean, these conventions are always a chance for political parties to clarify where they stand on the hot-button issues, and so the Republicans are going to do that. The other big talker when it comes to the Wisconsin Republican convention is if they're going to endorse one of the four candidates for governor. I think that's pretty unlikely that they would do that. Now, in Minnesota, we did get an endorsement out of the recent Minnesota Republican Party convention. I don't think we're going to get that out of the the Wisconsin Republican convention because you've got some pretty evenly matched candidates, particularly Tim Michaels, the newcomer to the field, and Rebecca Clayfish. And you need 60% of the vote at the convention, among the people at the convention, in order to get an endorsement. I don't think that's going to happen. Plus, you have this movement within the party May most notably led by Kevin Nicholson, one of the other candidates, saying, hey, we, we shouldn't endorse anyone at all. We should just leave that to the voters. So I don't think we're going to get an endorsement. I think we're just going to get kind of the theatrics of the convention, so to speak. How much how much attention do you or how do you how much do you understand how the Republican Party in Minnesota votes on endorsing a governor candidate? Did you understand it was like nine rounds of voting? Are they doing rank choice voting? They they it's kind of like wheeling and dealing and it's um politicking and it's persuasion and it's kind of voting over and over again to see how votes evolve over time and ultimately it's just symbolic. I mean it doesn't really mean that that person is automatically the candidate, but it does carry a lot of weight because if the party insiders, as they would be at the convention, if they throw their weight behind a particular candidate, then that's really going to matter a lot. But for that very reason, there's resistance to making an endorsement of a candidate at 
the Wisconsin Republican convention, saying, look, it's too insidery. It's too closed doors, not open to the public, really. That's what Kevin Nicholson, the drum that he's been beating, and frankly, has a pretty good point about that. Yeah, you know, is this the right forum to be basically anointing a candidate, or should that just be done by the voters in the primary election in August? Yeah, it's the easiest stance to take. To take It's what the, the Democrats in Wisconsin do. They just don't endorse in a primary because it's, you know, the only the only way I would say not to endorse a candidate, because yeah, you could just say, ah, we, we don't want the insiders, big government. We don't, we'll let the voters choose the easiest thing to say. The only thing I will say about um, maybe not endorsing a candidate, but if somebody that is running in your party, I don't, and I don't know how it would work. Like if, if there's some controversy, right? There was a little bit of Tim, Tim Michaels controversy, still is, right? Did he move to yep. Wisconsin just to run for governor? And I think before that, he was just going to run for Senate, but then Ron Johnson decided he was going to keep running. So the, the, the like, what the plan B was to run for governor, which seems kind of crazy to me, but um, there there is some controversy there whether or not he you know skated by some rules for you know living in Wisconsin. I believe. Yeah, there that I think is going to be the big question surrounding Tim Michaels. Yeah, just how committed is he to being? someone who lives in Wisconsin compared to being someone who frequently has lived on the East Coast and someone who has been involved in business, I think that's kind of a secondary issue that's going to come up with him, the conflicts of interest that could come up with this rather large business that his family operates. And if that business could continue to seek government funding, government contracts. So kind of two issues that are going to come up with Tim Michaels. But Rick, as you noted with Ben Wickler yesterday, a new poll out shows that he's running neck and neck with Rebecca Clayfish among Republican primary voters, with Tim Michaels getting 27% of the support and Clayfish getting 26%. That's going to be really discouraging for Rebecca Clayfish because she's been basically running for governor since Tony Evers won the election of 2010. Clayfish has been, uh, 2018, Clayfish has been laying the groundwork for this for like four years. And now like Tim Michaels swoops in and all of a sudden he's neck and neck with her for the lead with, with Nicholson, Kevin Nicholson and Tim Rampton being a distant third and fourth place so I, far, according to this recent poll that came out. I do have a take on that and I'll bring it up in a minute, but there's a couple of people calling in. I want to get them on before they we go to the news. Uh, Dick's calling in. Dick, you're on with UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Go ahead. Yeah. Good afternoon, Rick, and thanks for taking my call. And it's timely in terms of your your conversation about the Republican Party convention, and just sort of testing out and seeing what some of the themes are, what some of the you know narratives may be, and uh, what I'm curious about is what we're hearing lately is that you know, I can't believe. When I hear some Republicans, uh, politicians calling Democrats communists, and I've never, you know, I have never heard one Democrat say that they want the U.S. to be a communist country. I don't know if if you have, but all I've heard is Democrats, you know, what they say is they want businesses not to just focus on making their owners richer, but to pay more attention to their workers and their their communities. So Democrats, you know, they ask them businesses not to, you know, not to pollute or give their workers fair wages and working conditions, you know, that support families. So um, 
basically what I want, I'd love to go back to the days when, you know, when Ron Reagan and, and, uh, Bob Dole would be talking just over a cup of coffee with, you know, with Tip O'Neill or with, uh, Joe Biden, where name calling wasn't the, the, the way, you know, the, the messages. So that's my, that's what, how I strongly feel is just, you know, let's just talk opinion and policies or whatever instead of creating, you know, these vicious name calling lies. So yeah. thank you for my sharing and, uh, you yep. know. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Dick. One more call before we go to break. Uh, caller, who is this? This is Jeff. Hey, Jeff, you're on with uh, Chagoski. Go ahead. I just wanted to find out his uh, idea of, I don't know if there's a topic tonight or not, but his idea of uh, ele- the uh, elect- uh, oh, electoral vote being eliminated and what is going on with gerrymandering. Is there anything we can look forward to in the future as far as gerrymandering? All right, Jeff, thanks for the call. Okay, Chagoski, just I don't know if you want to jot those down or whatnot, but we got to go to Brad yep. doing the news. Uh, gerrymandering and elect- what the Electoral College sounded like versus popular vote. We'll Good be back. Deal. Yep, we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk, PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski on the phone with me. Because he's got, he, you're kind of on baby duty uh, all the time, right? Like that's like a 24 hour. Even though the wife probably would say, "Yeah, right," uh, but you, a three week old baby at home, right? So I'm letting you, I'm letting you off the hook. You don't have to be in studio. <laughs> yes, three weeks old today, and I was going to come in, but my wife strongly suggested that I call in instead. And I'm not in the mood to argue with someone who just. Gave birth to a tiny human three weeks ago, so yeah, here only, I am calling from my, my from my home. It only took her twenty seven hours. I mean, geez, let's go. Yeah, Brianna. yeah, what a slacker, right? Only in labor for twenty seven hours, <laughs> not even two days. I mean, I mean, just she's just milking it, really. At that point, I mean, just have the baby, have the baby <laughs> mel- already, mel- milking it. I see what you did there. <laughs> All right, so we were we were talking about um, what were we talking about? Like a couple of different things. So so. So one Dick called in and, and he said he's heard some Demo- some Republicans called Democrats communists. Uh, yeah, we've we've kind of pushed the envelope from socialist to communist. I will say that Democrats need to start calling Republicans corporatists. That's my phrase. Um, if they're going to just back corporations all the time, we see we saw a rule just change now in the U.S. Supreme Court. Right? Uh, we're we're going to talk about this on the Democratic Voice podcast on Monday. Uh, Ted Cruz just basically breaks the law by giving himself an extra ten thousand dollars in a campaign financing uh, for a campaign financing, uh, which is just totally breaking the law. And instead of like him being fined or penalized for that, it just goes to the Supreme Court and they change the rules. So <laughs> just like that's how we're doing that's how we're doing things now, and we're doing that yeah, with Roe right. versus Wade all over the country, right? We're we're States are breaking the law by passing laws that directly in contrast to Roe versus Wade. And then instead of them being penalized for that, I don't know how you would penalize a state for writing a a law that goes against, you know, something like that, that the U.S. Supreme Court's already decided on. Uh, But that's how we're that's how we're doing that across the country. No, that that that's uh, that's right, Rick. I mean, we just had a law passed in Oklahoma that completely bans uh, abortion. Now, obviously, that is 
not consistent with Roe versus Wade, but because of that unprecedented leak from the Supreme Court, we still don't know where that leak came from and how it originated. But because of that leak, which has been verified as being legit by the the Chief Justice John Roberts, I mean, now states are getting ready to ban abortion. We don't know what's going to happen here in Wisconsin necessarily because it's very old law on the books that bans abortion in all cases except in the life of the mother. And Josh Call, the attorney general, has said he would not enforce that law, which adds some extra stakes to the attorney general election. With regards to the Ted Cruz thing, you know, this is yet another blow to the uh, John McCain and Russ Feingold-led campaign finance reform in the early 2000s. There's not a whole heck of a lot remaining of that campaign finance law that has been steadily chipped away at by the Supreme Court. So, I mean, as far as campaign finance regulations, the Supreme Court has been consistently hostile to campaign finance regulations. All right, well, moving on here. To, we got a couple of calls. I don't want to make everyone wait all the time. I appreciate you calling in. Um, caller, who is this? You're on with UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chugoski. Hi, I'm Sue from Illinois. Hey, Sue, go ahead. You're on the air. Well, um, I want to talk about this inflation. Um, you know, I, I've been, I, I'm retired. I'm a senior. I live about a block and a half from a food pantry. And I'm seeing a lot of people, and I know it's, you know, we've been through a pandemic. We are in a pandemic. I see a lot of people lining up for this food pantry. And uh, what's bothering me is uh, I'm seeing every every type of person in line, um, black, white, yellow, red. I saw a guy with uh, holding his little girl's hand and a mom with a stroller. I guess why I'm calling in is uh, I, I am going to rant against some of these corporations. Um, I... I've been reading about CEOs' pay, and I just I don't get it. I, I've been hearing for years, years and years, that we need to let businesses be free of regulations and rules, and and don't you know not have these high taxes. I don't think it's working. I think uh, the gap between the poor and the rich is getting bigger, and um, I'm I'm just tired of these super wealthy going to outer space and. You know, I mean, it's okay to buy a second home, but a third and a fourth and buying up land in Montana and buying a private island. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem right to me. Um, so, I, you know, I, here's what I hope. Uh, I just hope people, when they go to uh, the polls, that they think about who they're voting for, that they pick politicians who are really working for the, the little people. That's, you know, I mean, the super rich are doing fine. Um, yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah. I appreciate you know? appreciate the call, Allison. Thank you so much. Uh, one more call here, Eric for Sparta. You're on with Chagoski. Go ahead, man. Yes, let's ask you, Mr. Chagoski. What do you think the midterms are going to come out? Are the Republicans or the Democrats going to win? And if the Democrats, Republicans win, will they impeach President Biden? Or okay, all right. Thanks, thanks, Eric. Uh, it's Doctor Chagoski, but that's okay. Um, all right, we're, uh, let's just let's hit that real quick. Uh, do, do you have just that? That's pretty easy. Do you have a prediction for midterms? Yeah, Rick. I mean, 
for sure, it looks like the Republicans are going to take the majority control of the U.S. House of Representatives. But there is a catch. And the catch is that through redistricting, and we're just about done with redistricting all over the country. In the last segment, someone asked about redistricting. The big effect of gerrymandering and redistricting this time around has been a dramatic reduction in competitive House of Representatives seats, where the amount of truly competitive seats has been greatly reduced. So if there aren't many competitive seats anymore, then there aren't going to be major gains either way for either party. So I for sure think the Republicans are on track to get the majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. I give it about 50-50 odds that they would impeach Joe Biden. I know that there is a push within the Republican Party to do just that. And but but the catch is that you know we just have you know out of a out of a body of 435 members the US House of Representatives yeah maybe maybe 10% of those seats are competitive which is just terrible because you know how are you supposed how are we supposed to hold people accountable if Basically, everyone is safe and cannot be defeated under any circumstances. Yeah, and that's and that's why we we criticize Republicans in Wisconsin because they won't they 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 win the election in one random year, not even really random, but they they just happen to win an election in a certain year, and therefore they get to determine how the voting lines are just drawn over the next ten years, and they keep the lines in favor of them. So we get we get congressmen like Mark Pocan, right? Like he's pretty left wing, right? I would say he's probably, yep. would you say he's probably the the most left of the congressmen in Wisconsin? Oh, for sure. And then we get, and then on the flip side, I don't know, you could tell me we, we get somebody like Tom Tiffany. I would say maybe he's the most right. I don't, I actually, yep. I, I, yep. I, I'm not quite sure, but uh, so, you know, like I, I can be mad because I'm like, man, the gerrymandering creates someone like Tom Tiffany and he shouldn't be in office because he's so far radical to the right. I can't stand him. And then I, you know, just based on Eric's history, Eric from Sparta, he probably hates Mark Pocan because, in fact, I think he just hates uh, Ron Kine too. But Ron Kine's been in office so long, you just you just get sick of him. Um, but yeah, Mark Pocan, he probably just really doesn't like the leftist policies of Mark Pocan. So um, yeah, but we can just we can we can blame uh, we can blame uh, you know gerrymandering and and the rules that the 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 state won't change and Republicans have control to do that. Democrats had control to do that before, but I think the the way politics were, we had we had uh, we had lines that we had district lines that created competitiveness. So the lines weren't skewed like they are now. Also, just like bringing up like the the you know like the midterms, Strugowski, um, and and going back to I think it was Allison's point where uh, we we the House just voted to pass some legislation to help fund baby formula for, I think for poor people and 192 Republicans voted against that. And before that, the house passed legislation to stop gas companies. I guess you can call them gas or oil companies from price gouging. And it was like 170 some Republicans voted against that. So we just, it's, is it one of them things where they don't believe in the policy or they're just not going to vote for something because then Democrats can claim a win. 
think probably both, right? I mean, like if, if with competitive elections and the prospect of gaining a majority, you're not going to cooperate with the other side. And there is something to be said about the ideological difference as well. And to the caller's point, kind of about, you know, she was talking sort of about big business run amok. And, and I do think that there is a, a, for sure, a point to be made about that when it comes to the baby formula industry, because there are three or four companies in the United States that control 90% of the baby formula market. Now, that is, there's got to be something funky going on there, because I, I don't know that that's the, that that would be the outcome of an open and fair market competition to have to have like three behemoths that control the entire industry for baby formula but well, that makes the industry really susceptible to any disruptions like this factory for Abbott in Michigan if that factory has problems which it did then that's going to massively disrupt the industry because you've got only like three players controlling the entire market and and that just makes the supply really vulnerable to these sorts of disruptions. Well, we've already seen, I mean, the media industry is the same way. There's four companies that control the media industry, and we've watched during a pandemic how that completely collapsed on us, and we didn't do, we don't do anything about it. So, um, and I was wrong. There, it wasn't 172 Republicans voting against uh, price gouging from oil companies. It was 207 people in the House, but every Republican in the House voted against this because, you know, we can't go after gas corporations right now. That would be, that would be just the, our, our complete downfall. Anyway, I got to take a break. We'll be back to take your calls, read your texts. Uh, with UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Are you on uh, maternity leave here? I should say paternity leave, shouldn't I? You on paternity uh, leave right now? I, I am. I am not. Uh, my my wife is for a few weeks. Uh, so we're. But I, I'm. I'm lucky enough to be one of the people who can work from home, kind of, uh, because I'm on orientation duty at UW Lacrosse. But that doesn't start for another couple weeks. So I, I'm good until then. You got one of those front packs where you put the baby on your front and you can just walk around with the baby. And the baby is uh, kind of like do, looking actually. away. I'm very excited to use it. Yeah, the, and the baby kind of looks the same direction as you uh, you do, right? It's always kind of funny. Maybe I should do my orientation advising just like that with like baby oh, at, on the front of me just sort of like looking around and looking weirdly at the student. Yeah, that's definitely what I was getting at as you do that. How, how, what better way to keep your students paying attention to put a baby on your front <laughs> And then all they're going to do is stare at you. They might not hear anything you say because they're just thinking about, oh, the baby just did this little cute thing. But um, before before we get into, uh, I want to get into some McDonald's stories. Um, oddly enough, it's not about McDonald's uh, ice cream machines crashing. But um, before we do that, we we had a caller t- talk about name calling in politics. And um, did did Donald Trump just prom- like did did he just like? boost this by a thousand percent because he gave nicknames and he calls everybody names or has this been going on a while or is this something new i know like we always do the socialist thing and i'm trying to get corporatists to uh to catch but i don't know know if it's gonna um name calling though i mean is this something that is this a phenomenon over the last five six years 
I think Donald Trump is a continuation of any number of trends in American politics. And that's probably one of them. I mean, I've heard from people within the Wisconsin state legislature before Trump and during Trump and after Trump that, you know, in the olden days, so to speak, in past decades, they would argue it out during the day in the Capitol and they would have their disagreements. And sometimes those disagreements would be really intense, but then they'd hit the bar after they were done for the day and they would slap each other on the back and laugh and have a great time and be friends. And then they'd do the same thing again the next day. And that really shaped their relationships in a way that's quite different from how things are now, where, you know, you don't even dare interact with the other side because of things like the name calling and the nastiness that one of the callers referred to. So, you know, Rick, I I think this is one of at least a couple dozen of trends that Donald Trump sort of sped along, but did not create. He well, is this, not the origin of name-calling in American politics by any stretch. My mom shared something on Facebook, and Facebook might be the problem with all of this. Is it, it was just, it was a Republican and a Democrat from, like, way back. I don't even know. It was a, uh, you know, t- walking down the sidewalk talking to each other was just a picture. And then somebody wrote some caption that probably had nothing to do with what they were talking about. It was probably all fake. Um, but, but I will say like when you, when you talk about like, Hey, we're going to bicker about something in the house of representatives or something, but then later you'll see them out and about, uh, everybody's got a camera now. So if, uh, who just give, um, Jim Jordan, if we see Jim Jordan, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez hanging out at a bar together, uh, that's going to go viral. Everybody's going to record that. And then everybody on each side of the aisle, like as, as voters that pay attention to politics, are going to be pissed at each of those representatives for even affiliating with each other. So maybe cameras have done this, too. I think I think cameras, cell phones, social media, it all plays a role because like every aspect of a lawmaker's life, every aspect of a politician's life seems to be something that could end up on Facebook or it could end up on Twitter. So this fact that like we don't really have private lives so much anymore, especially people in the public eye. I mean, that's not helpful necessarily in terms of building relationships across the aisle, because, you know, like if Jim Jordan was hanging out with AOC, people would say, well, on the Republican side, how dare you hang out with AOC? And on the Democratic side, how dare you hang out with Jim Jordan? It's impossible to imagine that happening because of the backlash you would get. Yeah, definitely. And I think I feel with, I feel the same way. I'm like, I don't as as somebody who kind of likes uh, when she was first coming up, uh, some of the things she was saying, she's just kind of parroting Bar- Bernie Sanders. Um, and yeah. I do not like Jim Jordan. A lot of things he said, but that's more controversy from uh, before uh, when he was in, I think, Ohio rep. Anyway, um, Maryland's calling Maryland. Go ahead. You're on with UW lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. You know, I don't like this name business either, but it did start a couple of years ago when Trump started calling people nicknames, and they stuck. But if the Democrats are going to be called socialists or communists, then what do the Republicans call the Democrats? Well, the Democrats call them corporatists, Marilyn. I just I've been bringing it up all day. Corporatists is is that is that bad? Well, you're you're a follower. You're you're somebody who who writes legislation in favor of corporations instead of people. Okay, okay, so we got that settled. But how, how do you feel, how do your listeners feel about this is further dividing us, as we're divided enough, 
that this this is going on all the time. It really, it really kind of makes me feel bad. Yeah, you 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 don't appreciate it. If you saw AOC and Jim Jordan hanging out, uh, you know, one of the far right and one of the far left House representatives, would you get mad? No, they must have found a way to to talk to one another, which I think is great. All right. Well, no, no, the rest of us have done that. You know, you're with you're with the close confines of someone that you know is a lot different than you, and you're almost afraid to say anything. All right. Well, Marilyn, that's that's no fun. She's just being too down the line. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I really appreciate the call, Marilyn. Thanks. Um, all right. So I want to get this takeout. I do want to talk about these McDonald's things. But you you were talking about Clayfish earlier. Rebecca Clayfish running for governor. Uh, all now, now uh, in a poll that you really think is uh, respectable, right? A poll that came out. Yep. Uh, she's one yep. tick down. Also, she's one tick down from Tim Michaels, who's also running for governor as a Republican in Wisconsin. Also, two ticks above both of them is undecided, or maybe even none of the above. I don't know. Um, undecided. So the the leading the poll is I don't know who I'm going to vote for governor at this point uh, as a Republican. But you mentioned Rebecca Clayfish has been running for governor for. At least, do you would you say four years? Why would you say four years? Do you mean two years or t- because because uh, you know Evers you know, won? Rick, no, four when, years. When You're right. Politicians You're right. when politicians get out of office, they do kind of sneaky things to lay the groundwork for a campaign, even if they're not actively campaigning. They start like a political action committee, or they start an institute or some organization that enables them to stay active and visible. And Rebecca Clayfish started something that I think is called like the 1848 Project, but it was sort of about you know as a response to you know some some kind of like just kind of how how left-wing groups wanted to teach history and and she said well here's a more conservative way to teach history i don't really know what it was about honestly well, in but 18- that's really beside the point i mean the whole point was to keep her visible and yeah. in the public eye and in touch with the republican activists around the state yeah in 1848 when wisconsin became a state you know if she could go back she'd probably make it the 1849 project now when uh the the state uh, totally banned abortion except to save the mother's life. I'm, I'm I'm sure she's got it in the works, but she's been running since Governor Evers took office in one way or another, and and now she's a tick down from Tim Michaels in this poll. Maybe just maybe running for a state office and and blowharding the bad policies of Governor Tony Evers, just blowharding you know being negative about whoever's running the state. However, you know whatever position you're trying to let's just do. Um, Who's uh, uh, who's the leading candidate? Mandela Barnes. Let's do it. Well, Mandela Barnes is a lieutenant governor, too. I don't want to do a lieutenant governor. Um, Adam Murphy, he's running for Senate. Let's just say for the last four years, he's been blasting Ron Johnson. Or six years, right? Uh, if somebody was blasting Ron Johnson for six years and then starts running for Senate, I feel like we would just get kind of get sick of the same old, same old. It's like, oh, really? You're blasting Ron Johnson again? I, I guess. Because, you know, but what do you stand for? So, um, there's, there's maybe people just get sick of the, the idea that you're campaigning for, you know, multiple years. It's possible. And I think that's the reason why Tim Michaels has parachuted to the top of the field. Well, I think there's two reasons why Tim Michaels is at the top of the field. First of all, he has not faced 
the type of scrutiny and attacks that others in the field have because, I mean, he's just a total newcomer to the race. I mean, it wasn't clear if he was going to run. Like you said, maybe he was going to run for Senate, but then Ron Johnson was going to run. So now Michaels is running for governor. And so he hasn't really faced the type of scrutiny that could potentially reduce his support. And also, he doesn't have a record because he's never held public office. That can nowadays that's an enormous advantage potentially for candidates because if you don't have a record in office to run on, then you're kind of limiting what there is to attack you on. I mean, certainly he has some things that opponents are going to bring up in his business interests and how that could create conflicts of interest. And, you know, if he actually does spend substantial time in Wisconsin versus being on the East Coast, I mean, so, I mean, there there are things that are going to come up, but, you know, he doesn't have the type of record that a politician has, like Rebecca Clayfish, and, and, he's, and he's new. And by the way, Rick, the other big thing, he is absolutely carpet bombing the airways with ads. I mean, you turn on a TV and about a 50-50 chance you'll see an ad for Tim Michaels. And that is going to create some momentum and some name recognition in an instant. And, and so all of these factors, I think, have put him to the top of the field, made him a serious contender all of a sudden, and no doubt created significant frustration for Rebecca Clayfish, who, as we noted, has been running in some way or another for a really long time compared to Tim Michaels. Yeah, it gets old campaigning all the time and then just being and, and then negative campaigning, right? Because that's that you, you've said it before. That's what sticks the negative if I go after my opponent and now that and then we see Republicans going after each other, uh, Republican governor candidates. And, and I, I want to get into this just real quick, but they're, they're They are proposing, hey, instead of having an August primary, we should have an April primary. We should already know who the representative is in the Republican Party uh, so that they don't have to blast each other anymore. They can blast Governor Tony Evers for the next six months before the election or however many months it is from April to uh to November, it's probably more than six. Anyway, I got to take. Well, let's take one more quick break and and let's get these McDonald's takes out. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, the only AM station in the nation that plays Busta Rhymes. Also, we're on FM, but six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the text line at this point. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Doctor Anthony Chagoski. I want to get these two McDonald's takes out there. I know we don't have a lot of time, and I also want to talk about. Um, my Minnesota district house race real quick about one of the candidates, but, uh, headline Texas toddler orders 31 McDonald's cheeseburgers through DoorDash. Uh, the bill was like a hundred dollars. Um, but you, but you, you commend the two year old that, that got on DoorDash and ordered 31 cheeseburgers, uh, from McDonald's because why Chagoski? Oh, and now I hung up on him. <laughs> I will say, the uh, the 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 toddler he he brought this up to me before the toddler spent um, uh, ninety one dollars and of that ninety one dollars he spent a twenty five percent tip so uh, just a, a a pretty good I hit the wrong button I'm so I'm dis disfuddled here here we here we go. Fat fingers, Chagoski. Fat fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it was the baby. Yeah, we'll blame the baby. The baby. The baby hung up your phone. It wasn't Rick. I. I, I do. I. I. Uh, I got your take out there. The baby left a twenty-five percent tip. So he's setting an example yeah. for everyone. 
with this tip. And then uh, a Wisconsin man marks 50 years of daily Big Mac meals. So this dude ate a daily Big Mac for the last 50 years? Yeah, he's up to like several thousand at this point. So hats off to our man from Fond du Lac for keeping the streak alive. He's been doing, he, he was in that documentary, Super Size Me. Oh, yeah. And so he's been keeping it up for a while. All right, Jennifer Carnahan, real quick. She uh, there was there's a Daily Beast story. So Daily Beast, super left wing, right? Like Daily Beast is going to go all mm-hmm. all in on like the crazy, and it's it's fun to read, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. But part of the Daily Beast story was Jennifer Carnahan's running uh, in my district here in the in the Minnesota area, right over the river, and uh, for the U.S. House, essentially Ron Kind in the Lacrosse is is my my U.S. House district, the same same position. Um, first of all, she's uh, she seems to be like a Facebook, a crazy Facebook commenter, and she's going after like some weird entities on Facebook, right? Yeah, she was she was uh, noted by the Daily Beast for leaving some strange comments on her her now deceased husband Jim Hagedorn his Facebook page. But what I what I liked about this story was she had also messaged on multiple occasions Jeff Probst the host of Survivor, to complain that she had not been selected to be on the show (laughs) and claim that Survivor was discriminating against Asian Americans for the fact that she was not on the show. Yeah, that's that seems crazy. And um, I will say Jim Hagedorn passed away from cancer. Jennifer Carnahan is using that to run for his seat. Uh, whether you know, like whether that you feel itchy about that or not, I'll go beyond that. Um, there is there is a lawsuit though that that she has medical expenses to pay back, which just blows my mind. Somebody in like Hagedorn had cancer for a couple of years, and and the medical expenses piled up. I'm sure, but like, it, man, she should run on Medicare for all as a Republican. Yeah, well, well, yeah. There, there is this feud between her and Jim Hagedorn's family, being sued for these medical expenses. And one of Hagedorn's sisters has given a thousand dollar campaign contribution to one of her top opponents in the upcoming GOP primary, Jeremy Munson. All right, that's UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Chergosky. You can feel him; he knows the clock. He knows the clock. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> Chergosky, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, Rick.